sometimes you have to draw a line under the past once and for all. And that's exactly what I did in 2014 when I decided it's time to go. I tried for a year in vain to find a job. I felt lonely, isolated. A lot of my friends at university had left Sheffield. And for me, it was time to say goodbye. And this time it was for real. It was my own choice and it was final. Um, I decided at the time that if I leave Sheffield, I'm going to leave England for good. Um, not out of bitterness or spite. England remains and will remain for the rest of my life a place I hold dear. Despite the fact that England obviously has left the European Union, is about to leave the European Union, but England has been instrumental in my formative years. And I'm grateful and thankful to everybody I've met in the UK, to the institutions in England that have given me the privilege and the honor of being allowed to study there, something I would not have thought possible in my wildest dreams until 1998. So for that, I will be eternally grateful to the English. And it's a country, even though I don't agree with their politics and I don't agree with its decision to leave, you know, England will remain always, there will always be a special part for the United Kingdom in my heart and I wish the country all the best even outside the European Union, politically, in terms of social cohesion. Um, thank you, England. Um, this country has given me more than I, I could have dreamt of, ever. But it was time to move on. And I did it wholeheartedly. I drew a line and I said, that's it. And the funny thing was that when I decided to go back to Berlin, I did that because I decided if I go back to Germany, Berlin has a good infrastructure. Berlin has become an incredibly cosmopolitan city. It's a good city. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Berlin is a nice place to live these days. Even though I believe in terms of costs, in terms of rent, in terms of other stuff, Berlin will probably be eventually uh, on the same level as Paris or London. The trends are already pointing clearly in this direction. So Berlin was a city I chose because it's the only city I could see myself living in in Germany. It's cosmopolitan enough and for a globally minded person like me, uh, it's the only place I could really envisage myself uh, staying and if need be, uh, maybe growing old there too. Who knows? The interesting thing is despite moving back to Germany, something has happened which I embrace wholeheartedly. My identity has never, uh, um, has never shifted back to my previous German one. Now, I still feel unrooted in Berlin. I don't feel at home here. I said it's a good city. But if you ask me, do I feel a sense of belonging in Berlin? I'm afraid, dear listener, my answer is no, I don't. Absolutely not. If somebody of you came along tomorrow and said, hey, Jörg, we've got an assignment for you in, uh, I don't know, Indonesia or Australia or South Africa or Qatar or Israel, <laughs> I don't know what, I would pack my bags and go straight away without ever looking back. 
That's not the fault of Berlin. That is just the way I am. Um, my identity after drawing a line and saying the British dream is over has shifted back to complete cosmopolitanism. I feel as cosmopolitan as I've never felt before in my life. And that's good. Had I stayed in the UK, maybe, I don't know, I, maybe I would have settled down, would have gotten some sort of job and, you know, that would be the end of the matter. Now I feel ready to embrace the entire world again. There's no England anymore, I fancy. Uh, but there's also discontent for me in my current German uh, existence. Now that brings me to the part I find most difficult to talk about. I've got to be honest with you. And I think it's a very sad story. Um, when I came back to Germany, I was hoping still that I would somehow get a break. Um, I got in contact with an organization which prides itself on trying to get disabled people into work. And I remember talking to them and telling them about my life. And they said, well, you know, you shouldn't have any trouble at all finding a job. Employers will love you. Well, for some odd reason, over time, they distanced themselves more and more from me. Uh, it's something for which I have no explanation. Now, I did apply for various jobs. A job in public sector, particularly in the public sector, I had already decided that journalism is probably not going to happen. Um, I try again and I try to make it now my hobby to keep myself intellectually engaged and stimulated. Um, I'm still deep down hopeful that maybe, maybe one day something happens. And if not, well, dear listener, then it's my hobby. That's fine too. I will try to do the best I can and I hope uh, one or the other will find that a bit interesting and inspiring perhaps and stimulating. But in the end of the day, it's a hobby of mine and I will try to do whatever I can with the modest resources I've got. That's why I'm writing the blog, yorktrito.com, and that's why I want to set up this podcast with very modest means. Um, now... The jobs I applied for were mostly jobs in the public sector which required one university degree. I've got three and two of them in a foreign country. And they were mostly about writing reports. Now, one application was even to the German Institute of Human Rights. They had told this organization uh, that basically they were looking for somebody who's going to write a report or draft a report on the implementation of the Disability Convention of the United Nations. Now, they uh, said one university degree and basically, you know, doing reports and stuff. So I applied with my CV through that organization. And... Like in all other cases, I didn't even get invited to a job interview. Now, I'm not saying your Trito is the one who's got the job, uh, who's got to get the job all the time. That's not what I'm saying. What really puzzles me is when you, uh, when you apply to countless institutions and countless uh, uh, institutions that are basically tax financed and are public institutions, and you don't get 
invited to one job interview on the basis that you've got three university degrees and they ask for one. Now, I know blind people who get, or visually impaired people, a few of them at least, that get invited to job interviews occasionally. Now, I never did. Now, that's odd, to say the least. And by the way, I'm not a great fan of conspiracy theories, but it's fishy. And I also noticed during that time that this organization in question would always try to find the fault with you. They were pro-employer, not pro-employee. Now, the only job I could find pretty quickly um, in 2014 was this dark restaurant in Berlin, where I'm working now, and I've been working for the last five years. Now, don't get me wrong, there's nothing bad about waitering, waitressing. Um, it's just not a job for me. And if you think about it, you could do this job after your 10th grade. That's a part-time job. You know, that's a job you do as a student on the side. That's not a job you want to do for, for the rest of your life. So I didn't just experience enormous discrimination on the university. And as far as uh, the universities were concerned in Germany, the situation on the job market is dismal. Very simple, dismal. And the second thing is what, what I found puzzling about this entire period, how much they get away with how little protest there is from the disability organizations. They must know what's happening. I mean, even the dark restaurant I'm working in, they don't even pay the minimum wage, for goodness sake. Um, so I wonder how they, how they get away with it all. I have no idea. Now, the second issue I want to tell you about is, two issues, basically, I want to tell you about is because they're interlinked. Uh, social isolation and loneliness. Now, I was somebody that, especially in London and um, in Dresden even, and then in London, then partly in Sheffield again, partly in Heidelberg, I had never had any difficulty integrating into, into social life. Now, that changed in the sense that I... Um, how, how do I put this? It changed in the sense that my job wouldn't allow me to build up a proper social life in Berlin. Most political events I wanted to go to, most things I'm interested in culturally, whether it's theater or whether it's, you know, you're just meeting friends and going out really for a glass of wine or something. Most of that stuff happens on weekends. Now, unfortunately, uh, weekends I've got to work um, every week basically. So it's not just the job that doesn't inspire me intellectually or is, is anything that I want to do for the rest of your life, uh, of my life and is badly paid, but it's also the fact that it doesn't give me the scope to rebuild a social life in Berlin. And that causes loneliness, a uh, sense of social isolation, really. And that's probably one of the other reasons why nothing really keeps me here. 
you know. So I'm still hoping for this break one day that allows me to do what I do best, and that's to explore the world and tell stories, you know, and observe politics. So I would be, I think, the ideal correspondent, um, especially because I haven't got a family. I am single. I have no kids. I can just pack my bags and go, you know, uh, without any questions being asked. I have no duties to attend to except doing this lowly paid, crappy job I'm doing now. Now, there were two things in Berlin that still happened, or two trips I took. As I said before, in 2015 to, um, um, to Israel again. And then, of course, in 2017, I visited my friend in Colorado. Um, and we had a great time. And then on the way back, I saw my friends in Sheffield, which was also great. Uh, that was lovely. I enjoyed the dispensaries most in Colorado and Denver. Uh, so, um, and otherwise, well, that's basically it. We're there. Now you know it all. You know where I stand. You know my take on life. You know that my current predicament is something that keeps me in a bind, um, prevents me from doing what I do best and from exploring the world and employing my talents. Now what's the solution? Now, no matter how hard you try, you can't change society by yourself. Uh, it's not possible. Now I'm proud of what I've done in my life. I think I don't have to put myself in the same basket as as every average or every other average uh, blind or disabled person. I mean, we're just like anybody else. Why would I? You know. So I I have always almost worked 5 years at that restaurant that would probably allow me to secure another pension in Germany. That's what I want to do. If the state can't provide adequate employment for someone like me, then please pay. Um, what I want to do, though, because there has to be a way to keep yourself intellectually busy. And that is, first of all, that's why I started this podcast and to write my blog. I have given up my Facebook account and Twitter account for political reasons, which you can also read about on my blog. Uh, it has a lot to do with what happened in the social media sphere and the entire issue related to what um, what um, uh, Shoshana Zuboff calls uh, surveillance capitalism. Um, now you can't escape it completely, but I think you can still try to make sure that um, you try to stay away from it as much as you can. And in my experience, doing a blog is much more fun, gives you much more flexibility. Now, this podcast is in its very early stages. Uh, it's not very professional, but I haven't got the means. I've only got the iPhone and this Anchor FM platform. I hope that's going to change over time. I look into different technologies, different microphone, etc., etc. And I hope I find people to talk to on the show. Now, that's something I want to do. So from next time onwards, we will talk about politics, my dear listeners. That's all you hear about me, about my biography. We are at the end of that. And 
The second thing I really want to do, and I'm now in the planning stages to do that, to make that happen, I want to go back to university. Uh, just for fun. Uh, that's why I do it. Um, I'm still not quite sure whether I study law or I study Middle Eastern studies. Just to keep me occupied. You know, politicians talk all the time about lifelong learning. So there you go. I'm the primary example of that. Um, I don't do it for a career. I don't know whether that's going to materialize. I just know something feels terribly wrong about my current existence. It just doesn't feel right. And I, th I think it has a lot to do with the way society operates. And don't worry, I'm not going to buy into the narrative that it's up to me. Um, it's, it's my fault. It's not. Definitely not. That has something to do with the way our society works. We are far away from a meritocracy um, or a, a, credible, a credible society. Now, that's going to be on the cards. These are the things I want to do alongside my job before I quit eventually, which will happen very soon. And then we'll see where things take me. I haven't got a clue, but when opportunity strikes, I will be ready. Well, that's it. We are at the end of this episode. You know now everything there is to know about me. And I hope uh, we're going to make something work here in the long term. And um, I say goodbye for this week. And keep following my blog at yorktreeter.com. And dear listeners, Gladys Potties, see you later. <laughs>